Take your Bible and turn with me, if you would, to Hebrews chapter 11. As you turn to Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to start a new series, The Hall of Faith. Um, Who doesn't love a good Hall of Fame? Um, I did a little research this week. There's a, there's a number of Hall of Fames, some very interesting Hall of Fames in our, uh, in our country. There's the International Clown Hall of Fame. Has anybody been to the International Clown Hall of Fame? No? Okay. Uh, what about the International Towing and Recovery Hall of Fame? Anybody been to that one? Okay. What about the World Kite Museum and Hall of Fame? Now, maybe somebody's been to this one, because this one sounded pretty cool. I wouldn't mind going to this one. The Pinball Hall of Fame. Anybody been to the Pinball Hall of Fame? Uh, now, some of you think that the, uh, the Oklahoma sounds like a really boring place to visit or to live. But again, did a little research for you. Uh, in Oklahoma, there's the Cowboy Hall of Fame, the Softball Hall of Fame, and wait for it, lean in, the American Banjo Hall of Fame, not just everywhere in Oklahoma. This is in Oklahoma City. So you could go, in case you don't know where you're going to uh, go on your next maybe summer vacation, maybe choose Oklahoma City where you can go to all three of those amazing halls of fame. Now, some of you are thinking those people are all losers, that they would have halls of fame like that. And before you cast too much shade on them, you do realize just down the road we have the RV Hall of Fame. Okay, and you might have been to the RV Hall of Fame. Okay, I'm not judging. No, I don't want to say. Uh, so, but, but what, do you, what do you think of when you think of a Hall of Fame? What's a, what's a Hall of Fame do? A Hall of Fame celebrates the great accomplishments and whatever that field is, that discipline. Maybe it's a sport like the uh, Football Hall of Fame in Canton, Ohio. They pay tribute to the talents and the triumphs of pro football's greatest legends and what they accomplished. And so we think about halls of fame and what they're all about. But then on the other hand, think of the Christian faith. Our relationship with God by faith is what, it's it's by faith that it unlocks that relationship. It's not by our accomplishments. And so we're not over the next several weeks going to talk about a hall of fame and talking about all the great things that uh, great men and women of, uh, of the past that followed God, what they did but we're going to celebrate their faith in this chapter in the Scripture that's been called the Hall of Faith. It's in the 11th chapter again, book of Hebrews. As we turn there, let me give you a little background just so we understand what Hebrews. Hebrews was written to the Jewish people, written to Jewish believers, uh, was written to strengthen their faith, to encourage them to persevere. In the midst in the, of the at first century was some, were some very severe, severe trials, temptations. They were facing those from their culture. They were uh, struggling to, to, to combat uh, that pressure to abandon their faith, to compromise their faith in Jesus Christ. And in a lot of ways, there are similarities between what the writers to the Hebrews were trying to help them with and things that could be helpful to us, similar challenges. We're going to find as we look at this 11th chapter of the book of Hebrews, some amazing people. We'll look at their lives and It won't be all about what they did, but it's going to be about their faith. What can we learn from their faith as we seek to grow in our own faith? And as we jump into this series, in this chapter, we're going to focus on the big idea here in week one of faith. There's a lot to it, and we're going to describe it and try to help you 
kind of define it and think about what it is and how important it is and why it really matters. And as we do that, hopefully, all of us will be able to uh, tune up our faith. And maybe there's even someone here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus Christ. And my prayer has been in leading up to today that today would be the day that you cross that line of faith and you put your faith in Christ. And uh, so I'd love for that for you to make that decision. And we'll talk about that toward the end of the service. But let's, let's look at these first few verses of chapter 11 as we talk about faith and, and get a big grand picture of what faith is. That's going to be helpful to us. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God, so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible. I like what Wearsby said in his commentary on these verses. He said, his insight on them is these first few verses are not so much a definition of faith as a description of faith. We're going to look at that description of faith today, but before we look at uh, what the Hebrew writer, the Hebrews, uh, gives us as that description of faith, let's try to define it a little bit. So we just are just thinking on similar terms. And so to define it, sometimes a good way to think would be to think about what it's not. So what is faith not? So faith, biblical faith, and that's what we want to talk about is biblical faith. Faith that is a saving faith. Because there's other forms of faith or whatever, but we want to talk about what, what is Scripture talking about when it talks about faith. So let's talk in terms of biblical faith. Biblical faith is not blind optimism. It's not irrational. Faith doesn't require us to abandon reason or evidence. It's not a leap into the unknown without any foundation for belief. Biblical or saving faith is isn't just wishful thinking. It's not just thinking positive things. Well, if I just have enough faith, I can, you know, hope for eternal life, or I can hope for an answer to prayer, but there's really no substance to that. Substance to that, it's just hope. Whereas real faith, biblical faith, is rooted in the promises and the attributes of God. Biblical, again, or saving faith, is more than just intellectual agreement to a the theological doctrine. Biblical faith impacts real life, and it's more than just a mental exercise. It's more than just agreeing about who Jesus is or what he did or all that. There, there, this is faith that impacts our lives, impacts the way that we live. It's faith that gets translated into a transformed life, a life that's lived in submission to God, submission to the principles that we find in Scripture, the commands that we find in scripture. Biblical faith isn't just a feeling. It's not just a personal experience and experiences and personal experiences and feelings and emotions. All those things matter. All those things uh, are, are, are important, but they're not the foundation of our faith. Biblical faith is founded on God's word, on who God is, what God said, on the person of Jesus Christ, not on subjective feelings, feelings and emotions that come and go. Faith, biblical faith, is grounded in something deeper. It's foundational. Founded on God's word, on God's promises, and again, on the person of Jesus. Faith that endures when the feelings go and the emotions go. 
There's something more going on. And so that's a bit about what, what biblical faith or, or saving faith, what it's not. Let's talk about what it is to start with. Let's just, what does Webster say? What's Webster say about what faith is? Webster defines faith, just in general, faith is belief and trust in and loyalty to God. It's a good start, but let's, let's get some help from some from scholars, some biblical scholars, what, what, what did they say about what faith is? Here's one that I thought was good this week. True biblical faith is confident obedience to God's Word. Confident obedience to God's Word in spite of circumstances and consequences. I know about you, I, I enjoy listening and reading uh, Dr. Tony Evans. Dr. Tony Evans, he said, I love the way he said it, he said, made, made it really simple, uh, biblical faith saving faith is living like God is telling the truth. I like that. That's simple. Living like God's telling the truth. He went on to say, acting like it's so, even when it's not so, in order that it might be so, simply because God said so. Now, that's hard to remember. So, let me give you a, a simpler definition of faith, two-word definition, very simply, faith, believing God. Believing God. Notice it doesn't, that definition is not believing in God. And that's important, and we should believe in God. But believing God is even more. If there's, a, there's a depth to when we say that I'm believing God. When you say that you, you can say, well, I believe in someone, or I can say, I believe someone. I believe in what they say. I believe that person. I believe what they tell me. I believe what they say. I believe their word. So believing God. I believe God. And what he says, Abram believed the Lord in Genesis 15, 6, believed the Lord and it was counted to him as righteousness. So Abram, at a time when he didn't have any kids, didn't have any, any descendants, and, 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 and God said, I want you to leave this place where you're at, and I'm going to take you to this new land that you've never been to, that you don't know anything about, and I'm going to bless you, and you're going to be a blessing in this entire world, and you're, you're going to have descendants, and they're going to be a blessing in this entire world. And he's like, how is that going to happen? But he believed. And he left where he was and he went. And he exercised his faith. He believed the word of God. Romans 4.3, Scripture tells us Abram, Abraham believed God and God counted him as righteous, righteous because of his faith. He believed God. What's faith? Faith is believing God. Think back to Mary. When the angel comes to Mary, Mary as a virgin, and, and the angel says, you're going to have a child uh, and, and told her all these things about this child that she was going to have. And before she con conceived, Mary believed God's word to her. She believed what God said, Luke 1, 38. And Mary says in reply to the angel, and Mary says, Behold, I'm your servant. I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed. So again, before Mary had conceived, she believed. She believed God. She had faith in what God said. Faith is critical to the life of the follower of Christ. So we've talked about what faith is not. We've talked about what faith is. And just a moment, let's just think about how important faith is. Scripture talks about how important it is. If you just look down at just a few more verses down in chapter 11 of Hebrews to verse 6, it says, without faith it is impossible to please God. Or you think back, if you, if you don't have a lot of Scripture memorized, you probably, or have heard at least, if not have memorized, John 3.16, that talks about how essential faith 
<laughs> that how essential to salvation faith in Christ is. Whoever believes in him will have eternal life. Or about Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, the first part of it, for by grace you are saved through faith. Or as, uh, as the writer of the book of James reminds us about the authenticity of our faith by how we live it out, that it matters how we live, that faith apart from works is dead. And in that well-known, I love the way the New King James translates from the original language in Habakkuk 2, verse 4, and the just shall live by faith. Or the ESV says the righteous shall live by faith. That idea that, that that's, it's just, it's who we are. It's, it's, it's a part of the core of who we are. The just, the righteous will live by faith. And what is faith? Faith is believing God. So with those foundations in place, knowing what it's not, knowing what it is, knowing how important it is, let's go back to what uh, the writer to the Hebrew says, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, and let's look at this passage. Now, faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. That word tran- that's translated faith from the original language is the word pistis, and that word is repeated some 26 times in this one chapter alone. So we have a pretty good, good, pretty good notion that the core of what Hebrews chapter 11 is talking about is faith. 26 times the word or some variation of the word of faith. And what does it say? Now faith, the description, faith is the assurance. Some of you, if you have a different translation, it may say the substance. Faith is the Assurance or the substance, that word assurance or substance comes from a Greek word, hypostasis. Stasis means to stand, hypo means under, so to stand under. So what stands under us? What's, the, what's foundational to us? That's what it's talking about. It's the ground on which we, our hope is built on. It's been said that a, that a house or a building is only as good as the foundation that it's built on. And that's what, that's what the, the idea is, that faith is the foundation where our hope it, it rests. If that, that foundation, when it's strong, it gives us confidence in the entire building. And so our hope is built on faith. There's uh, some scholars that, in looking about how, how this word hypostasis, how it's used, was used in the first centuries, and one of the ways that it was used in just common language was it was used to describe the whole body of documents that established ownership of someone's personal property. Now, in our culture, how is someone's personal property, how is, how is that established? How, what are the documents that establish that? It's a deed. So if you own a home or you own some property, there's a deed somewhere with your name on it or a bank's name on it. (laughs) Most of us, it's with a bank somewhere, but you get the idea that that there is a document that you can go to that proves, no, this is mine. This is, uh, it's, I own this. And so the idea, faith is our title deed of the things that we hope for in Christ. Scripture goes on to describe faith as the conviction or the evidence, again, as some translations translated that word. So the, the conviction or the evidence, so the, the proof of what, of things that we can't see. 
So faith is that inner conviction that, that God's going to deliver on what he said. That, what God, that, that God keeps his word. And we're going to look in this chapter, we're going to look at the, the lives of great men and women of faith, and we're going to see in them that God kept his word. Miraculous things that, that God does and ways that he intervenes as they exercise their faith that God shows up and God always keeps his word. And we're going to see that in this chapter. Now, we have faith in a lot of things that we can't see. We walk into a room, we walk over without a whole lot of thought, and we flip a light switch. And, and as we flip that light switch, we, we have faith that there's an electric current that's going to flow and a light's going to come on. That light's going to be provided power as I turn that device on. And we trust in the unseen work of electricity. I drive by the nuclear plant. I trust that there's some people that know what they're doing behind the, the, the big rocks and the walls and the guns and the barbed wire fences. And there's some people that, that drive in there that have some, something that they know that I don't know. I have faith that they know what they're doing. And they're going to produce some, some electricity. And there's an entire infrastructure of lines and cables and transformers and substations. And at the end of the day, it's going to show up my house. And so when it gets to be 80 degrees in the sweltering heat of Southwest, West Michigan, that my air conditioner will actually come on. I have faith. I have faith in something that I don't see. Oswald Jailsworth Sanders said it this way, faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. Again, let me, let me just remind you what he said. Faith enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. That's faith. I have faith in my God. I have faith in my Savior. I have faith in the promises that he has given me, that he's outlined in his word, that will result in my salvation, that will result in my eternal life. I have faith in what I can't see that's invisible to me. I have faith that God knows my future, that God has a plan for my future. That when I struggle and, 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 and I'm down and I'm in the valley, that there is a, there's a God that I can trust, I can have faith in, even when I can't see it, when I, I, don't, I don't understand how it's going to be worked out, that God, that I can trust his word. Faith, again, Sanders says, enables the believing soul to treat the future as present and the invisible as seen. So Abraham, before he'd had his first kid, his first child, he was able to see by faith a land filled with his descendants, an entire world blessed because God said it. Moses saw by faith an exodus out of slavery. David saw as he walks onto the battlefield with the giant Goliath in front of him with his slingshot in his hand, he saw by faith the, 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 he's going to win this battle because God was with him and God, God, God's going to do it by faith. And so by faith, I believe that there will be a day when my life on this earth is over and my Savior will come back for me and he's going to take me home and my home is not this world, this temporary place, this place where I'm a sojourner. 
this temporary, I'm an alien to this world, but I'm going home to another world that I've been promised. I believe it by faith. I know it by faith. My Savior coming for me. Hebrews, if you go on that next verse, for by it, faith, the people of old received their commendation. For, or because of it, it's another way to say that, because of it, because of faith, the people of old received God's commendation. So they exercised their faith, this faith that we're talking about, the people that, that, that we will talk about in the rest of this chapter, that they gained what they longed for. They gained the commendation, the blessing of God, the approval of God. It's nothing better than living in that sweet spot of God's, of God's blessing, that sweet spot of knowing that, that we have the favor of God. And Scripture says that they received their commendation as a result of their faith. It wasn't a result of their good, good words. It wasn't a, a result of their good deeds. It wasn't a result of the, of the good things that they had done. It was a result of their faith by faith. And so then the writer describes these, these people in, the, in the, the verses that follow, not, again, does it, not all the description of all the things that they did to earn God's favor, but it's a description of their faith. They made the hall of faith. They made the list by faith. And so, friends, this should be a wonderful encouragement to us, that we don't earn God's favor, we don't earn eternal life, by what we did. We don't, I don't have to work, work off the stuff that I did in my past. I don't have to work off the errors that I made and the mistakes that I made and the wholesale just abandoning what was right and true and good and doing something different. I don't have to, I don't have to, 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 to work that off with God. It's by faith. By faith, I'm forgiven. By faith, I receive God's favor, God's blessing. It is our faith that matters. And then that third verse, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. The scripture takes us back to the beginning, takes us back to creation. It's by faith that we can discern God's amazing power in the created order. By faith we believe that God was engaged in the creation of this world by faith. And I, I don't have to be so concerned about how God exactly created or, or the mechanism by which he created. I don't have to hold exclusively, even though some people want to, want to say, well, unless you believe it like I believe it exactly, that, that, that you're not as faithful as I am, or God doesn't love you as much as I, uh, he, he loves me because I believe it this certain way. There's a lot of ways, potentially, none of us were there, so none of us really at the end of the day know, it's just by faith. How did God create? Young earth, old earth, the Darwinian evolution, whatever, some variation on the theme. The key is not how he created, but that he created. God created all that is. All. God, God created. He directed the creation of all that we see by faith. I see, because again, I wasn't there, but I, but, I, but I know by faith that it wasn't all that I see, all that we know. It's not the result of random physical processes. But there was and is a God involved in everything that we see in this world and the universe that he created. The psalmist writes in Psalm 36, 33, 6, By the word of the Lord the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth all their host. So it was the breath of God where he created 
that he spoke these worlds into existence. Now, some in this world, and maybe you're here today, and you would say that there is no God. We're thrilled that you're here, by the way. I hope that you'll continue to come and just kick the tires on faith to let God, if he exists, speak to you. Just ask him. If you're real God, speak to me. Help me to know that you are, are there. And so, so you may be here, and, and, and there, there's you know, some that would say, well, there is, there is no God, that there's a natural explanation for all that there is. And all that I would say is that none of us were there at the beginning, that what we believe about the origin of everything, we believe by faith. Whether, again, whether we are a follower of Christ, we believe in God, that God created, or you're an atheist, and you believe that there is no God, you believe that by faith, because none of us were there. Now, my personal opinion has been said, others have said it, that it really, I think, takes more, more faith as an atheist to believe in what you believe than a Christian. To believe that something, that everything that we see came from nothing. That life, as we know it, came from non-life. Came from inanimate objects. To, to uh, if, if this, there is this big bang that created everything, where, again, did those things that were there, that, that were the where did the Big Bang stuff come from? Where did the initial singularity, as scientists call it, where did those things come from? And so at the very, very beginning, by faith, I believe, there was a God. Either there was nothing or there was God. And so by faith, I believe, I fill the blank in, I believe that God created. In choosing faith, I choose to believe faith in God. So by faith, as the writer of Hebrews says in verse 3, by faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are invisible. By faith, I believe in the creative power of God that he created everything, us and everything else. The universe created by his word. Now those are the first few verses of Hebrews. We'll get into some of the people later but as we think about that description, that as we think about what we've defined as faith, we thought about, thought about what it's not and what it is and, and how important it is, and, and then to see that description that, that the writer paints for us, it's important, as always, to ask the so what question. What does that matter to me? What, what difference does it matter to me? What difference does it make in my life? I think the most important question that any of us could ever ask is a question that is begging to be asked as we read these verses, the question of faith, and it's this. Every single one of us, have you experienced saving faith? Have you experienced saving faith? It matters for now and it matters for all eternity how we answer that question. Have you experienced saving faith? I'm not just talking about that you have faith that there is a God. There are a lot of people that believe that there is a God. Even uh, James talks about even the demons believe that there is a God. I'm talking about have you experienced saving faith? 
Do you recognize that you need a Savior, that you're a sinner? Have, have, have I recognized that? Do I recognize by faith that Jesus Christ, the Son of God, died for me, paid the price for my sins, paid the debt that I owed with his life on the cross in my stead, in my place? By faith, I personally accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and my Savior. Again, it's so much more than just an intellectual belief. It's a personal transformative relationship. So I repent. I turn from my sin, and I have a desire now to live by faith, to live a life that's pleasing to God in submission to God. I live by faith with a relationship with God. As I walk by faith, the Holy Spirit walks with me and lives in me, transforming me, conforming me into the image of Christ. Ephesians 2.8, for by grace you've been saved through faith, and this not on your, by your own doing, it's not your own doing. It is the gift of God. At the very beginning, I said we'd have a time of prayer. I'm going to pray in just a minute. But today, are you here? And if you have never invited Christ to be your Savior, today's your day. I would invite you, as I pray in just a moment, to, as we said, to respond by what we're talking about, by faith, with faith. Faith that you need a, a Savior. Faith in what Christ did. Faith to accept him as Savior and Lord by faith today. And as we often say here, if you text the word Jesus to 269-231-8692, uh, that'll just start a conversation with us. We'd love to send you some resources. We'd love to have a personal conversation with you. You also, there are people that hang around, they've got lanyards that say, how can I pray with you? You could talk to one of them. They would love to have a conversation with you. I would love to have a conversation with you. We have other staff that would love to have a conversation with you about what it looks like to put your faith in Jesus. Don't leave today without having that conversation if you'd like to. I'm going to pray in just a moment. The other thing that's really important, the second question, are you living out achieving faith? Now, I'm not saying, we're not saying that you're working for your salvation. That's not what we're talking about at all. But is your faith real? Are you living it out? I, I have to allow my faith to transform who I am, that I begin to, to live my life according to what I believe. As James said, for the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So it matters how I live my faith, how I walk by faith. And so let me just ask us a series of questions. And just ask them of yourself. And just think about it. Let these questions help you evaluate how you're doing. Are you living out your faith? First, where's my trust placed? Am I relying on my own abilities, my resources, my understanding? Or am I truly placing my trust in God and his promises? Second, am I seeking God's guidance and direction in my decisions and my choices? Or am I relying solely on my own wisdom, on my own reasoning? I think for you graduates that are here, that's a key question to ask. How am I, thirdly, how am I responding to the challenges and the uncertainties in my life? How am I, lean, am I leaning on God for strength and wisdom and peace? Or am I succumbing to fear and doubt and anxiety? Do I prioritize spending time daily in prayer, studying God's word, seeking a deeper relationship with him? Is my faith in God reflected in my daily practices and my daily habits? Next, am I stepping out of my control or my comfort zone and taking risks for God's kingdom? even when it seems difficult or illogical from a human perspective. Next, how do I handle setbacks and disappointments and the failures of life? Am I allowing them to shake my faith? Or am I trusting in those moments that God is going to work all things for good? Am I actively relying 
and the Holy Spirit to guide and empower me in my daily life? Or am I trying to live my Christian faith in my own strength? So how, another question would be, how do I treat others? Do I show love and grace and forgiveness even to those who, haven't, who don't deserve it, who haven't earned it from me? Do I really reflect by faith the character of Christ and how he loved? Then next, am I living with the eternal perspective, recognizing that this life is temporary and that my ultimate hope and securities lie in the promises of God? And the final question Do I consistently demonstrate gratitude and praise to God, recognizing recognizing his faithfulness and his goodness in my life? As our worship team comes back up, I'm going to pray for us again, as I said, in just a moment. As we come back up, let me just conclude with this final little story. Some of you, if you've been around here for a while, you've heard me just relate this. I think it's really applicable it was, I was in, I would just graduated from high school, so it's a very similar time in my life than many of you graduates are here today. And as graduates do after graduation, it was that summer after my graduate, high school graduation, and when you would get together with, with a fellow graduate, you would always ask the question, well, what are you going to do? And so I was, one day, we were on the tennis court, and we were, we were playing uh, tennis, and this friend of mine, and we didn't like hang out all the time, but we were uh, we were playing tennis that day, and, and we had gone to school my whole life, grew up in the same small town. And so we asked each other that question. He told me what he, he was going to do. He was going to be a doctor. And I said, well, I'm, I'm going to go to Oklahoma where I'm going to study to be a pastor. And then this is what he said to me. He said, oh, that's interesting. He said, I never even realized that you were a Christian. He didn't say it in an accusatory way. He wasn't bashing me. It was just this, oh, that's interesting. I've lived 35 years since then, trying to make sure that that moment never happens again. And that I live my life in a way that people can see Jesus. And I love people that I come in contact with in a way that they can see that I'm walking out my faith. And I would invite you as we sing this final song, as we sing this song that talks about faith, I would invite you to evaluate where you are and are you walking it out? And then also, I'm going to be praying for those of you who maybe today, for the first time, want to cross that line of faith and embrace Christ as your Savior. Will you join me in praying? as I pray for you. Let's stand this morning and let me pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you for our time today. God, I thank you for what you've taught us about faith. And God, first, I want to pray for that person that's come and they've been thinking about it and they've been wrestling with it. And God, today you are moving in them and you're drawing them to you. And so God, today, uh, as, as you are at work, Father, They want to make a decision to embrace your son as their savior. And so God, today, as they repent of their sin, as they confess those things, as they acknowledge that your son died for them and and they acknowledge that they want him to be their Lord and their savior, God, today, I thank you that you are now writing their name in that scripture talks about that Lamb's book of life, that you are giving them that wonderful gift of eternal life, that you are blessing them, you're helping them, you're working in them by faith. Thank you, Father, for saving them the grace that you've given us by faith. Thank you, God. 
God, for those of us who maybe prayed that prayer a long time ago, or maybe very recently, but God, we've struggled to live it out. We've struggled to live in such a way that our world sees the difference, that sees you alive in us, sees that we are submitted to you and to your word. God, forgive us for those moments as we evaluate that. And God, as we, as we sing these final songs and these concluding moments that we have, and as we transition to a time of, of communion, Father, as we as we take communion, as we celebrate what your son Jesus Christ did for us, I pray, Father, as we come and as we take the cup that represents the, the blood of Christ, as we take the bread that represents the, the body of Christ, as we remember what Jesus did, we just want to reaffirm our faith as we do that. And to say, God, we need your help by the power of the Holy Spirit alive in us to live it out. Forgive us where we haven't empower us where we need to as we respond today. We thank you. We pray in Jesus' name.